Welcome to the Stakeholders Podcast, the show where we try to answer the question, what's at stake? We dive into how an organization's pursuit of their objectives affect or are affected by the people. Our guests come from the private industry, government, education, and more to discuss how they manage with their stakeholders in mind to achieve long-term success. Today, we're joined by Michelle Stevens. Michelle is the founder and CEO of The Repo Shop in downtown Ventura. And Michelle, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Hi there, so happy to be here today. Uh, my name is Michelle and I am the founder of The Refill Shop, which is an eco bath store located in Ventura, California. We just celebrated our 10 year anniversary and we refill and custom scent over 50 different bulk bath, body, home and cleaning products, as well as a bunch of whole, a, whole, a bunch of great reusable swaps. That's really cool. And, and honestly, I've worked with you previously during my university time. Uh, we've done a few projects together for some of my um, some of my professors. And I think you have like a very kind of cool way of looking at the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about your philosophy and why you started the Refill Shop? Sure. Um, so the main reason I started the Refill Shop is I finished college for photography and I had this sort of life is short feeling in my gut. And I realized that I really wanted to put my life energy into something that I believed in, something that I thought could make a difference in the world. So, yeah, so you, you want to make a difference in the world. And I think there's a specific term that uh, you've said before that I find that it's really cool. Uh, once in a galaxy, uh, the, the, our, our planet is a once in a galaxy type of thing. Um, would you care to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. That's somebody joked that that's going to be my Ted talk. Um, but I, I just, you look around at the world and it's so amazing, especially on the natural level from the micro to the macro and, you know, the whole universe and the whole galaxy came together and gave us this amazing chance. And Unfortunately, looking out a lot, it looks like greed and, and lust for power have prevailed, but I like to think we can fight back and, and try to do good and, and look out for each other as we, we push this planet forward. I think we have to if we want to survive. Absolutely. And I think I identify with that so much because you listen to people like um, like Elon Musk, and I know it's kind of like on a different side of what you do, but he talks about humanity being interplanetary species and uh, pushing us outside of the uh, our solar system, and it is such a unique thing, as far as we know, that we're we're kind of like the intelligent species as well as this natural phenomena that is Earth, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and I think that you're uh, putting your best foot forward trying to preserve it. Now, what made you specifically dive into the environmental industry? Was it the, the preservation side of things or was there anything else that kind of drove you here? I, I think it's just who I have always been. I actually recently just visited my aunt and in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and she has all of our old newspaper clippings. And then also a resume that I did in like grade school with my mom's help, very obviously. And in it, it said I wrote or my mom helped me write 
that I wanted to make a difference in the world. So I think that that's kind of always been bubbling under the surface for me. I did conservancy camps growing up as a girl and I actually won the t-shirt design contest for the conservancy camp with like a cute little like save the planet little imagery that I came up with. And then a few years later, I also won another t-shirt contest for recycling in Collier County, Collier County, where I'm from in Naples, Florida. And I came up with if two can, and it was spelled like the bird, if two can, you can, three can, we can, four can, more can, five can, I can recycle. And so like, it's kind of always been there. And then um, I, I kind of ventured off the path and went to school for photography. And then what I said before, I, I finished that and I wasn't sure where to land with, with that dream. And I had this crazy idea for the refill shop. Um, I've told this story so many times, but it, it is the moment that that created all of this. I was at the store, a grocery store, and I saw this really pretty recycled glass olive oil bottle. And I bought it and I got home and I had no olive oil to put in it. So I was back at the store and I just got a small bottle of olive oil and the whole thing fit in one go in, into my pretty bottle. And I was like, huh, I really didn't need this bottle that's just serving the purpose of bringing it home from the store. So that was kind of the inception moment. And then I had a long road trip with my boyfriend and was thinking like, hey, like what, what could I do with that? Could I, could I make a place where people brought in containers and refilled them? Like, would people actually do that? Were all of these questions swarming around in my head? And it was like, well, like I could have shampoo. And it's like, well, everybody's not gonna, everyone's gonna get sick of lavender shampoo over and over. Could we add scents? And so the idea just kind of very quickly developed and it seemed like this perfectly fun, inspiring goal that I could really put all of my energy into that really combined my love for the planet and wanting to make a difference, but also my love for shopping. How, how do you feel about these companies that are now taking this idea and be, like Procter and Gamble that are actually like making it part of their messaging? And do, do you find that it's kind of a false messaging that they're doing it because that's the way society is moving or what's your perception on it? I think that that can really go a lot of ways. I think that I would love to see all the big companies making strides in, in being more environmental and more conscious, truly. I think that the looped solution, loop, looped, is pretty pretty exciting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. But I do also think that there's a lot of companies out there who, who are just playing into it for the marketing and they're just really greenwashing and saying like, look at this eco-friendly thing that we're doing, but like, is it really, is it really living up to the idea behind the scene, which is such an important ethos for, for me and for the refill shop as a company. Yeah, no, and that's actually a perfect segue. Um, I would like to hear a little more about how you take, how you consider the role of people who aren't providing you an economic incentive compared to versus those big companies, right? So what, what are you doing that a little bit more focused on the little guys? So at the shop, we're, we're really, at the end of the day, just hoping to encourage and enable individuals to live more sustainably, whether that's through shopping with us or not. And so 
you know, like not everyone could afford to come in and refill everything with us. And, and we totally get that, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things that everyone can be doing in their day-to-day life to just live a little bit better. And actually, um, the zero waste chef on Instagram, she's great. She has a saying and she said, it's better to have everyone doing zero waste kind of well than to have a handful of people doing it perfectly. So it's all of our little actions do add up. And, and so as much as we can kind of get that messaging out there and, and share ideas, even if they're not for people coming in to see us, we, we would love to see those changes happening in the world. And do you think that most people do hold themselves responsible to like lowering their waste? Or do you think that's a little bit still an uphill battle to get the majority of people on board? I think that that's going to be an ongoing uphill battle. There's the world just hasn't been designed that way. And it's challenging. I'm, I'm far from perfect zero waste myself. And, and that's really kind of where we're coming at it from is like, Hey, if you want to do better, we want to help make that fun and easy for you because it's really easy to, to just stick with the status quo. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting way to put it. I recently finished this book called The Story of More, and it's about this environmental scientist who just does all this research about how bad everything we do is, driving our car, whatever it may be, eating more, and it just, she knows how bad it is, and we can't break away because it's so ingrained in what we do. Another really important point, I love that, but another really important point that that segues to is the fact of how much companies, these very large companies, have put the blame on us. The original, the original Native American tear crying campaign about not littering, that was in response to the companies being asked to take responsible for their litter. So they've always put the onus on us. And the reality is that all of us as individuals can make a difference, but we also can't take no toll on the planet. Like that's kind of unrealistic in this day and age, but really where we need to be pushing the needle even more than on the individual level is on the big companies. There's, is it, isn't it like a hundred companies who contribute most of the pollution to the planet? So I think that even things just like buying used clothes instead of new, like go so far in terms of living more sustainably. Yeah, I think you're right about the 100 companies. And I think like the U.S. military is the number one polluter, if I <laughs> remember that correctly. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we actually started diving right into it. I mean, we already mentioned quite a bit of stakeholders. And I'm kind of curious, what, is, what are some primary stakeholders to you as a CEO? My most important stakeholders are my employees. And I am so lucky to have the most wonderful team. We're all female right now. We joke that we're a coven because we all like care about each other and like each other and try to look out for each other. And it's so important to me that I create a community at the shop itself with, with the team members. And then also, I mean, of course, customers and our community and the stakeholders go on and on with the nonprofits that we support and our B Corp community, our 1% for the planet community. There's, 
there's lots of good people out there and it's, it's really nice being able to connect and interact with them in a meaningful way, which we get to, which is pretty great. Yeah. And I think like, that's like an entirely different topic as well. The social and the actual employee side of your stakeholders, like not a lot of companies are fully female owned or majority female, not owned, uh, staffed and to be all female staffed is even more rare. So, I mean, it's so, it's really impressive in my opinion. I think it's really cool that you've done that. You've accomplished that. We do hire men. We just generally attract more. (laughs) (laughs) Now, would you say that your stakeholder, your primary stakeholders change when you start looking at it from the Refo Shop's perspective rather than your own as the CEO? I don't. No, we're too intertwined. You're one and the same. No, that, that's totally cool. Um, can you dive into a little bit more of your secondary stakeholders then, like the nonprofits or the companies that in this uh, general community that you interact with? Well, for the community, uh, we, we're in Ventura, California, and we have felt so much support from the community and our customers over the years. And just like I'm so lucky to attract really great talent for my team, we attract really great customers too. And for me, it's really about the community and the connection. And, and so I really foster that with my employees to spend a few extra minutes and, and ask customers authentic questions and like actually engage with them and, and try to really care as much as you can all day, every day, which, which is impossible to do always, but it's, it's a worthy thing to try. And it's just been so wonderful watching all of our relationships develop over the years, whether it is with customers or with the nonprofits that we support. I'm actually um, getting ready to do an interview with a reporter for California Wilderness Coalition regarding a bill that they've been trying to get through for God, a couple of years now. They, they actually sent me to Washington, D.C., to speak with representatives on their behalf as a business owner, which was really neat. So like those kind of opportunities, I would, I would never have otherwise. And it's, it's really exciting to get involved and to see that, hey, other people care. And the more that we get together and work together, the more we can just push the needle in the right direction. Oh, it's really impressive. I, I did not know that you were getting sent to Washington, D.C. And I think that it's no better representative than a business owner like yourself. It was a really, it was a while ago. It was a really neat trip. I got to have lunch like at the Senate and stuff. It was very cool. Did the relationships with any of those stakeholders change during the coronavirus or the height of the coronavirus when everything was shut down? The the coronavirus has definitely changed a lot for us. We had to be closed for a few months and we've also changed the the store layout around to keep all the bulk products in the back so that it's just employees following sanitary procedures to interact with everything. Um, and so it's it has definitely it's definitely changed the way that we're engaging with people in the store. And so we're, we're still kind of flushing it all out, but we're, it's getting there. And I I think it's going to be better than ever once we get it all finalized. 
Do you find that some of the stakeholders are more passive than others? Employees, I always try to make space to hear them. I really value all of their input and feedback and and want to hear them all the time. Customers as well, we're, we're really trying to stay in touch with and, and learn and grow and, and constantly be better. With, with the stakeholders kind of outside of that bubble, it becomes more passive for sure. What are some communication channels and communication strategies that you've tried to implement to bring their voice in and make them heard? Um, we have been dabbling with getting more and more feedback on social media, but I, I think that some more channels for feedback are a good idea. Do you have stakeholders that influence others more and do you focus on them or do you generally try and keep it to your employees and your community rather than the people who have, who have more power over your brand? Owning a business is a state of change and a state of flux and and we're really always trying to listen and trying to improve the experience trying to improve our supply chain trying to improve what we're offering it how we're offering it how we're communicating about it everything is is always trying to to move in a in a growth perspective i mostly i i'm I mean, I'm kind of the most important stakeholder, I suppose. And so I think that in a lot of ways, I am acting as a filter and also as like an information grabber. So even if it's not stakeholders we're directly involved with, just always kind of trying to keep my finger on the pulse and, and make adjustments as needed. No, that's actually a great answer. I, I haven't heard that one before. And I think it's a very interesting perspective because I, I believe that's kind of what the CEO should be doing. They should be driving the company the right direction and they should be, just like you said, keeping track of the pulse and like where the industry is going and everything like that. And I usually like to ask this question of everyone. Um, you can answer it uh, whatever way feels comfortable. But basically there's this uh, thing called the separation fallacy. And the idea is that business decisions can't possibly make for ethical decisions and ethical decisions can't possibly make for good business decisions. Now, have you ever experienced that in your current position as a CEO and founder or maybe previously in earlier on in your life? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on that. I would say that's absolutely false. I think that good business decisions are ethical too. And that's especially true in my business where I set out to build something that, that was doing good and, and making positive change. But if your good business decision has ethical implications, that's not a good business decision. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think that if you separate the two, I think it might be a little bit difficult to actually like conjoin them later on when like a really big decision like this actually comes along and you're just going to forget about the ethics in general, right? <laughs> so that actually leads to um, 
being a, becoming a certified B Corp, which I know you're, you're very educated on. Um, but being a certified B Corp means that you have a triple bottom line. So you care about profit, yes, but you also have to care about people. And that's all of your stakeholders. That's your suppliers, that's your customers, that's your employee. And you also have to, have to care about the metric of how it's affecting the planet. So the certified B Corp structure is so exciting because it creates a legal framework where your, your ethos matter in your business decisions, not just your shareholder dividends. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit more about how long ago you became a B Corporation and what that means to you? I have been a B Corp for a while now, probably around five years, and it's a wonderful organization to be a part of. It's also a very strenuous certification to receive. It took at least a few months and a number of phone calls with their staff to get through it myself. And as I said, we're, we're kind of already on the right side of things, and it was, it was still a big hurdle for us. But I think that the earlier you build that into your company, then the then the then you don't have to try to merge these business decisions and ethics down the road. You can kind of bring them together right from the beginning. So I I think that the B Corp movement is really exciting, and I really hope to see it spread, especially to bigger and bigger companies because they're the ones that are taking the biggest toll on the planet. And I would highly recommend it to anyone who is thinking of it. And if you see that logo, the little B Corp logo on any packaging or are on anybody's websites, know that they're legit. You, you can't fake that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've been noticing it on a lot more of my like food products and my like toothpaste and like they're making it big, slow and steady, but they're getting up there. Yeah. It's exciting. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you for being a guest today. And before we sign off, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with us? Um, I just want to say thank you for having me. I think these are really great conversations that you're having with people. And, and I love that you're trying to help get the word out that, that business can be a force for good to steal the B Corp slogan. And... It's up to us. We, we all have an opportunity to try and make the world just a little bit better. I mean, I love the adage that even if you just help one person, that's, that's their whole world. And it can get overwhelming looking out at the state of the world and the planet. And sometimes I get overwhelmed and I have to remind myself, like, here's my focus. Here's my thing. So even if it's not starting a business, I would encourage anyone to find something that is your thing that you're going to chip away at and, and put a little bit of good into the world. And if we all did that, it'll be even a more beautiful place. I think that that's very, that very well put. And again, thank you very much for being a guest. And I hope everyone takes your advice and I'll see <laughs> the rest of you in the next episode.